0: Welcome to the latest episode of The Podcast with No Name. The podcast dedicated to the media we love, uh, from movies, books, comics, television, and starting this month, of special focus on music. In fact, this month I have a couple two-parters. And starting this week, I have uh, part one of a conversation with my guest, Rick Alba. Rick is a musician who began his career with the Christian New Wave and Punk Band Undercover back in the early 80s, Uh, but then was a part of the band The Altar Boys, another Christian punk and New Wave-influenced band, uh, basically part of the alternative Christian music scene to come out of Southern California. And he was a part of The Altar Boys well through... Into entering the 90s, uh, which then he produced a single solo album and then just kind of disappeared from the scene. And he, he just kind of he just suddenly was gone, it seemed, <laughs> from that industry, for lack of a better word. However, I do believe as you listen to this conversation, you're gonna understand that there was a very big reason for this, and we're gonna talk about how Rick came to terms with some of those some of those aspects of why he just felt like he ha- had no choice but to step away and also the uh in the intervening years uh, about 10 years ago i would say it rick started to reconnect with the friends and musicians of his past and has kind of had a different has found himself in a different situation now uh he's a Recently, within the last few years, he released a solo album again, and he also is a part of the band Moral DK, uh, who are uh, on the verge of releasing a new album, a band comprised of many of his bandmates from his first band, Undercover. I think you'll find this conversation very interesting and uh, maybe an opportunity to find an a artist you hadn't expected uh, I appreciated Rick being very open and candid about some of his feelings about some of the, the past, but also the ability to have a renewed vision um, on what what coming back to some of those friends and, and, and family, so to speak, present. Um, so here we go. Uh, I do want to apologize because I had mentioned even to Rick that I was hoping to add in music, but to be very honest, I haven't found a podcast software that w- would function the way I was needing it so far, uh, where I could just add in, drop in like some music cues, because uh, I would have loved to have provided some of their, some of the music, both of Rick's personal uh, solo music uh, maybe a little bit of moral decay, and and also some of the Alter uh, Boys songs, um, but unfortunately, I did not. I just I ran out of time. I was testing different options, and nothing did quite work. So, if anybody wants to shoot me a note and recommend a software for podcasts that that they found that is really user-friendly for that, uh, and being able to add in, say, a, a music. I know how I can add in even just through Anchor, but I, it lacks some of the control I was hoping to have. So, <laughs> um, anyways, let's begin and go in, let's get into the, my conversation with Rick. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. Oh, we lived right across the street from a christian bookstore
1: oh yeah i lived walking distance so there it was
0: yeah it's like and for me that early i like i didn't discover certain bands until well into their career but like i started in fairly early with the choir about chase the kangaroo and okay. that, you know gut love i've discovered gut level music and the altar boys and you know One of the things that's funny to me is all, you know, The Altar Boys, Undercover, Mike Knott and all his bands, uh, you know, The Choir, Adam Again, all these bands where I'm like, these were huge parts of my, you know, both as a listener and just a, a fan of music, huge parts of my life. And I realize now that if you, when you talk about Christian music, Most people, that's a huge blind spot of the, you know, they they know, they know who Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, and it's still like that where, you know, oh, you, you listen to metal bands like Striper. And it's like, well, yeah, but there were other metal bands that were very different sounding than Striper. Right, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, Jerusalem, Jerusalem was, was the, uh, was the, the the big thing on the festival circuit during the late 80s. I, yeah, I, I made sure never to miss, I I, 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 like heavy metal, but I'm not like a metal head,
0: but right. Jerusalem
1: was like, yeah, was like ahead of their time a little bit in terms of what Christian bands, the kind of things that Christian bands were doing on stages, yeah.
0: Yeah, the, it, exactly, and it was one of those situations when I realized I can't say, just say, you know, oh, I listened to this list of bands, kind of had to explain them to people like why okay the 77- well first of all
1: because who are these bands yeah, the <laughs> you gotta that, answer that
0: it, it, you, you and it's it's weird to me that i i was when i was kind of prepping for this i was looking through like some old i found in my storage some old ccm magazines and stuff like that and one of their cover stories was is christian music in danger and it was from 1996 and i'm like you guys were off by about 11 11 or 12 years because once it got overtaken by the the praise and worship the industry just kind of disappeared uh, like I haven't hardly run into new bands you know at all and granted oh. well I'm kind, of, I'm kind of discovering
1: very recently I'm discovering that very recently I haven't it's been decades since I've tuned into a Christian radio station, and I, I, I happen to—I happen to have like in my car tapped the button a certain way to where there's a local Christian music station that's in one of on one of my buttons, okay. and uh, and I just left it there, and I pop in every now and then to see what's going on, and 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 yeah, I've noticed that it's all it's all music about a person's relationship with God uh which I guess kind of renders it into categorizes it as as praise and worship it's been forever since I've been in a church so I don't know really what kinds of things they're singing in churches these days it's probably something like that I I mean I'm picturing I mean from what I hear people talking it's a band singing those songs and if you can pick up on the song then you can sing along then you get to sing along (laughs) yeah
0: and they're, they're very simple lyrics and I it's it's funny because when I discovered like I now you actually started with Undercover, that's right, um, and, and were the basis for their first album, and that was a band that I actually stumbled upon later after I had discovered uh, several of the other bands because they had done Branded and then kind of kind of went quiet for a while, so I stumbled onto Branded late. But when you were a part of the band, it's they they had it, it was one of those things where there was always kind of that whole idea of a lot of Christian bands started out with you know they kind of did friendly you know parent friendly lyrics like right you know, and how yes. great God is and 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 being a Christian is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, 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 well
1: the, I, I think a few a, a few things factored into that, the, the way that was uh, like on the first Undercover album, which is like just so f- far apart from what Branded was, and even to some degree uh, different from what God Rules was. Um, a lot of people bought Branded and then it, uh, there's a lot of people who think of God Rules as the first Undercover album. I just kind of leave that alone. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, the, the, because it sounds silly for go well, you know, there was one and I wrote some songs on it and blah, 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 blah. blah. I, I, I don't feel the need to do that. But uh, the, uh, the, the remarkable thing about the first undercover album was it came on the heels of the of the very sudden arrival of what people called new wave. What, what people look back, especially today, is because they call it the, the new wave. And uh, you know what happened? What happened? In, 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 anyway, in my perception of the history, uh, is uh, is uh, uh, bands like uh, the Cars, the B52s, Blondie, especially the B52s. When when Rock Lobster hit the airwaves, to me, it changed. It, it very much changed the definition of what it, of what is required to be a rock star. <laughs> uh, where I didn't feel like I had the goods before then. Uh, in the garage band culture that I was in during, uh, you know, up to the age of 18 or so, uh, your value as a musician hinged on how, cl- how fa- if you could play as fast as Jimmy Page, and then of course, a- a- after that, uh, Eddie Van Halen uh or if you could scream as as loud as dio um you, just that kind of thing there wasn't a model for a bass player uh getty lee had wasn't really famous yet so there really wasn't for a model for like yeah you, you have to pay, play like this guy play bass like this guy so i had that going for me but uh the <laughs> cuz i played bass but uh but anyway just uh you know so the sort of uh, rock godly godhood and also uh, but the lyrics were all about the sexual, kind con- you know, getting, getting what you can get off of a chick. You know, I mean, it was all like that. It was, uh, and that you know that we'll get into that later. Why that really, really wasn't part of my chemistry either. So, uh, so after New Wave hits, uh, it, it, it's like a whole world opened up, and we, 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 we dug on it. We, we got into that, and so we started, we started writing. You know by what uh, according to what we perceived uh, what we liked about all of the new music that's what we wrote for the first undercover album
0: well i i watched actually a few days ago i watched a video i don't know if you've ever heard of todd in the shadows he's a guy on youtube does this and he does music analysis and he'll do like pop song reviews and he, one hit he's got uh, this uh one like he's got something called train wreck train records which is usually the the album that killed somebody's career (laughs) Uh, these guys are riding high and then they released this album and he did uh a a one hit wonder retrospective on red jumpsuit apparatus and what he didn't know he said going in is that they were Saw themselves as a Christian band, and so he was startled by this, which made him go back and look. And he gave credit to the the his example of Christian punk, which it's not an unfair example, mind you. But he used one bad pig, and I'm like, but Christian were Christian bands were doing punk before, you know, in in new wave punk before you know, like five, six years before that, there was, it it, wasn't, and I feel like the California scene that, that you guys all came out of, had that, you know, had that, you were you were all listening to contemporary music, you weren't listening, so it was influenced, you were being influenced by what, what was new, as opposed to the traditional, like, well, these guys kind of sound like, you know, but they're, they're, they are a few years behind the times you know undercover didn't sound dated in their first early albums right
1: right yeah no that that was yeah we were we were writing what we were hearing on k rock pretty much at the at, at the time and then uh and then it was later it, it was like 85 86 one bad pig was the first christian punk rock album that i ever had uh, and, um, and the, uh, we cut kind of, myself, you know, I was very, I, I was kind of glad and relieved that real punk rockers, you know, that, 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 that there were, that there were real punk rockers doing Christian punk now, na- doing punk for Christians now. And, and I could just step aside and, and, and say, okay, good. It's <laughs> happening for real now. It doesn't, there doesn't have to be this thing like, oh yeah, Alter Boys, well, they're like punk rockers. They kind of sound like the Ramones, So that and that's punk rock, so yeah, there's Christian punk. Uh, we knew all along that, that 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 was not the case, that we, we didn't come off the streets of LA, and uh, you know what I mean? None of us had ever been in the germs, so, now, um, you know.
0: When, now, did you, was it pretty much hot, or were you out of, had you moved on from undercover, Uh, before they started doing god rules uh
1: yeah yeah some of the songs on God, god rules we were playing live um uh just as part of our set but uh but uh like well for example i didn't write anything for god rules uh god rules was definitely a post alba um um uh undercover album absolutely yeah
0: And now, what, did you go, did you pretty much jump right from Undercover to Alter Boys or did you have- No, I I took a
1: hiatus. Okay. Uh, I kind of did. I kind of, I, you know, looking back to some on the history of my life, I, uh, I kind of freaked out a little bit. I kind of did what- um, oh god what's the who's that band uh you, you know pink floyd uh their first guy um you know was was very avant-garde very very respected you know even even now he's very respected in the history of rock but he just he, he just uh wasn't ready for for, for what uh being in a, in a in a in a successful band with fame and everything just wasn't ready for that. Saw it coming and got out when he could. I kind of did that with Undercover.
0: Well, because I, I was a little surprised recently they did a Kickstarter for uh, the LSU album Great Profit, and they mm-hmm. had these these really extensive liner notes about the history of the of the band, but it also delved into I didn't realize that, in the uh, eighty in the eighties, that it was there was financial security in being part of that uh, whole um, the the whole movement of the bands that came out of that where out of that uh, out of it was pretty much everybody was pretty much coming out of connections to the Vineyard Church, as I recall. Mm, uh...
1: Vineyard originally, uh, at one time, I think we, I I think a lot of us went to Vineyard with some regularity back leading up to leading up to the first undercover album, perhaps, um, uh, not for a long period though. And Vineyard actually, even though Vineyard's pastor was John Wimber, who, who, um, who has a history in music with the Righteous Brothers that kind of thing you know he was involved with that um and uh and 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 everything but uh, and I stayed in Vineyard all the way up until about 1991 but uh I was the only one of my um of my bandmates uh who was in that who, 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 who had done that uh Calvary Chapel uh, Chuck Smith was the big force behind, uh, the bands, uh, the bands and the, as he was with, uh, with the folk rock bands before, beforehand, he had to defend, he had to defend folk rock to the Christian masses, uh, and, uh, and, you know, did a great job of that. And then when new wave came along, uh, he, he did the same with, with our bands. Uh, there was at some point he was sketchy about punk rock uh, at first. Uh, but once upon a time, there was a meeting that he called. As a matter of fact, he called all of the bands that had been affiliated with uh, with Calvary Chapel, all of the new bands, and there was a lot of us. Uh, so much of us that he had that that the meeting had to take place in the parking lot of Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. And he and he uh, just just honestly voiced his opinion that he was having a hard time with punk rock more uh, uh, that he would that he didn't have with the with the folk rock because punk rock is um, is uh, sort of antisocial uh, you know by nature that kind of thing you know it's not sweetness and light it's uh, it's it's rage uh, that you know and, and and of course you know the the the, the you know, everybody dressed in black with spikes and piercings and, you know, um, uh, baby pins in their faces, that kind of thing. And, the, and he was, he said, I'm I'm going to have a real hard time co-signing this because of that imagery, uh, which was perfectly honest. Uh, I was a little bit taken aback. T- ab- I, I didn't I didn't really see the difference. I thought, you know, you know, the hippie look, that was controversial. Everybody thought that hippies were going to, you know, I don't blame people for not trusting hippies because of, you know, Mansons. You know, yes. I, I grew up, when I was a kid, when I was in high school, required reading was Helter Skelter. They wanted to make sure that we had learned all of the lessons that the Manson era had taught society. And, but uh, the... Um, so uh, so, I didn't really, really see the difference, but I'll tell you, uh, that was 1980, that was early in 1984, and then just a few months after that, uh, we were invited to play at the first Cornerstone Festival, in, uh, just outside of Chicago, and uh, the Jesus people uh, there put that on, uh, you know, a famous hippie commune, absolute famous, absolute hippie commune, and with the exception of the Res Band itself, everybody associated with that festival was all completely punked out, with all the piercings, all the mohawks, all the everything, and I thought, okay, this these are my people.
0: <laughs> one of the things that I thought was very smart that uh, that you guys did with uh, the Alter Boys was that there was a now there was a, like a kind of a, essentially a, a first album that was more of a demo. I, I think it because I think for a long time it just made the rounds as a tape you could maybe buy it at shows and stuff but it wasn't an official label release initially well it it it
1: actually was the first altar boys album was uh put out uh uh Chuck Smith had created a label called uh called MRC short for Ministry Resource Center Okay. And a lot of the yeah, we did. I think uh, uh, the first undercover album, I think, was that, and um, uh, Krumbacher, a few others, That's and right. uh, and then then when MRC, when MRC wasn't needed anymore because uh, you, know, you know Chuck just said Chuck just kind of let the let the bands go their own way because because uh, other musicians were starting to form other labels, and uh, like like Broken, for example. Oh, yeah. Which... yeah and uh and that and you know indep- and it was all pretty much independent of churches i think that was just kind of a natural progression of how things went you know we're we're, we're grateful to the church for for, for yeah. being there for us and getting us started um we went our own way and they didn't stop us so yeah well, it was know, all
0: like broken and some of the associate like uh I think uh undercover's branded came out on uh on blue collar, I think was it? Called? Uh, you know,
1: I truly I truly do not know. Before it eventually I truly became don't the history. I, mean,
0: I know at some point basically Ojo and uh and uh Gene took over <laughs> broke Yes, we're, we're running that. Um but one of the things I just remember is there were these upstart kind of labels that started to be like, okay, well, you know. And then like like Broken, where it's like, okay, if it's on Broken, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check it out, you know. And I think one of the smart things that the the second album, When You're a Rebel for the Altar Boys, mm-hmm. it was really, I think, smart to kind of couch it all in taking this term rebellion, which tends to have a negative terminology in the church, and right. flip it on its head where it was like yes we're rebels we're rebelling against an outside you know an outside force you know (laughs) right (laughs) right that that doesn't doesn't care about you we can't you know and and that uh so when you're a rebel really played into that whole notion
1: yes It, it 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 was in my memory um not that I really saw things this way as they were happening, but in my memory, uh, just connecting the dots, um, when you're a rebel was the beginning of kind of a struggle, uh, not between band members, but just sort of an internal struggle that we all had. There was, um, there was at the time, a lot of, uh, it, 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 it's kind of the, the, the beginnings of using Christian metaphors and images and scriptures and whatnot, begin, the beginnings of using those as b- by political parties as political weapons. Just, they were just starting to form then. And, uh, and when you're a rebel... some of the songs on that and some of the songs on glm and a song a song i wrote for (laughs) against the grain which maybe we'll get into (laughs) Um, kind of touching on those things um before touching on the idea of being a rebel for, for for jesus means standing up against sin and uh, today, that that's been. But by, by this time, that whole concept is completely rep, uh, completely hijacked by a political party and used as weapons against against people.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, at the same time, in the Altar Boys, we were also discovering within ourselves. Th- Something equally as important, which became more important to us uh, as we progressed, uh, as we grew up, is uh, to, to to get at the heart of what makes a person a person, what a person is experiencing, and maybe. And we were writing songs, hoping that we were helping people along those lines, helping helping people um, uh, get in touch with what's with what's with how they feel about the world how they feel about themselves how they feel about life um, so at the same time you know the, the you know the moral well the moral majority came before that but I ignored that that wasn't really part of part of my life but uh you know eventually um you know like the family values movement and that thing that kind of hijacked the concept of standing up against sin as a, as like a political force, as a um, kind of rallying up against other people in the world. And it's uh, so one of the reasons I really, one of the reasons if I, was, if I was invited to do reunion shows, I would probably have to say no, unless, um, um, unless we were doing something new, but, to go, but, but those uh, songs like When You're a Rebel, I Question It, where's the new world that was that was mine um those uh those songs played then were just were just ideas that we had just kind of uh, us reacting to what we were some of the things that we were seeing in the world around us today they're they're like the perfect things for a rally to for for political party to rally up hatred for masses of other people and uh and i it's, uh, you know uh, you, uh, you, I'm, I'm glad it's not happening it's like okay yeah this is <laughs> this is part of our rock history but it's not where i am today <laughs> it's, today. it's, quite, it's quite the opposite i can't go <laughs> up on stage and say oh god yeah sin you got to point you know <laughs> you gotta stand up against sin you know it's like my You know, there was even a a, a popular t-shirt, you know, uh, love God, hate sin. You know, mine would be love God and go hate your own stupid sin. You know, it's like, like, if if you want to hate sin, hate your own. It's not your job to hate the fact that somebody else is disobeying God. Now it's your job to hate the fact that somebody else is stealing, killing, blah, blah, blah. That's everybody's job to hate that. But But just on the fact that, God doesn't like it, so you're supposed to be angry that somebody else is doing that. No, you're not. Only God is supposed to be angry that somebody's doing that, you know?
0: Well, and I look, for me, part now, I had toyed early uh, early on when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do as a podcast. I had toyed with the idea of doing one that was just specific to going through Christian music, both looking at the stuff that I might, that I'm embarrassed of uh stuff that I still can love I mean I still listen to uh I I I listen to both your albums I still listen to um I I still listen to the choir I back you know I back a lot of certain bands from that era Mm -hmm. um and I I, what I found inter what I found interesting is I, I went to my storage unit and pulled out a bunch of CDs to bring home uh, specifically because of some upcoming episodes and I brought home uh, all my altar boys CDs because I haven't had them in my personal possession for about 10 years. I they, they, so and I'm looking through and I'm like I had this weird memory that you had written more of the songs in the early albums and I you know and it's like no actually it's really on uh at least as far as what you're credited for it's pretty much forever mercy is correct you have a a bigger hand but i think part of what gave me that feeling and this is one of those things where if i i I like the idea of as somebody who no longer has those religious beliefs to be able to look back both positively and negatively i mean because there's some there's some stuff that would be fun to kind of goof on but there's also i think a lot of stuff where because i knew it was not coming from like a a you know it wasn't intended to be you know it wasn't a grift uh right
1: like, it wasn't no it wasn't a grift.
0: i always go back to does god's heart cry which is the one song from when you're a rebel that i can always go back to and that that significantly shaped me as a christian because it really made me consider empathy more and so to me that's like if somebody said well okay tom we're gonna put you in charge of a best of that's the song prime that would be the song that i would pull from that album above all well, others well, because thank
1: you. well thank you for that thank you for that it's not it's not the first uh, you know uh let's see i think the song broken i think that w- actually yeah. i think that was on glm the song broken yeah but uh but we were and, and we talked about it Uh, together uh, among the altar boys how we were uh, uh, we how we were kind of moving toward uh, just a more um, personal experience of life as a um, uh, we didn't plan it we just were writing songs and we just we just noticed how we were writing more about that kind of thing and of course that that uh, progressed and progressed into Forever Mercy. And of course, Mike's albums, yeah. which are all deep. Oh,
0: pers- so yeah. and, and I think that was the thing that allowed me to realize that, oh no, the altar boy, I, I, cause for a long time, I would think of, well, if it's an empathetic song, it was a Rick song. But then I realized <laughs> as I started looking, no, when you look at his solo albums, Mike was writing. And and, and I think that's one of the things about the band where in spite of the sloganeering that could happen. Yeah. You guys were also writing songs about, and not just in, as an individual being broken, but like, it, it felt like the Altar Boys as a band did care about the kids they were singing about, you know? That, yes, that, that became more and more, and it was just because, and, and it was
1: simply, uh, I mean, for me, it was an, it, it was an effect uh, of, of the cause being just being going out in the world and just meeting more people and talking to them about, uh, talking to them about it um, in the early, well, all through, I should say, all throughout the Alter Boy's career. Uh, and before, when I was just going to Christian concerts, it was a standard practice uh, to, um, for uh, band members to, to, to come out Uh, Like stand in front of the stage and be available to people. Now, originally, that was a kind of a purely evangelical thing. In other words, it's like, okay, uh, you know, we're a church, we're going to have this band play, it's going to be an evangelist, it's going to be an evangelistic event. Uh, the band guys are going to, uh, you know, we're going to call people up to accept Jesus, and it's going to be the band guys up there counseling them into accepting Jesus. Well, the more we talk to people, the more we, re- the, the more we realize most of the people coming up uh, had already been saved; they'd already done done that. So where do we go from here? And the and the things that they were bringing us to to us to talk about were just deeply personal, like problems in their lives. Um, and uh, and uh, myself, not being particularly talented at helping people solve their problems, I was always panicky about that. Uh, I, I I was always just kind of scared to death. I was very, very, most of the time, very uncomfortable at first and then uh, the more I would meet someone, you know, the, the more I got to know someone that, then i'd be comfortable talking to them they'd be more comfortable talking to me and it usually worked out real well and the and the result of that was was that yeah we're not going to what was much much less uh, evangelical sloganeering and more you know uh, how can uh, how can we as as people um, uh just find more just more freedom and joy and love in our lives through our faith in god
0: yeah. and, and,
1: and that's that that's how we wrote and and it's it, it, much oh. much more so except with the one exception of my stupid song in on yeah. <laughs> against the brain i shouldn't say stupid song because it, i it's a great song to listen to i think the band played it amazingly much much better it came out as a, as a rock song much much better than i thought that it would but the lyrics uh, to where's the new world have some absolute uh incorrect <laughs> factually incorrect things assumptions that i made about the history of our great of our great nation and uh and uh, also um Uh, Some complaints about the way things are that were really only uh, some of the uh, some of the things that I said was was in response to just like one or two actual news stories that were in the news that weren't really trends in society, but but because I wrote them into a song about society it kind of it, it kind of made that statement you know like oh god nobody can even bring a bible to school it's like no actually that was just in in response to one story where a kid where, where one teacher you know sent a kid home with his bible but, but that wasn't actually that probably happened just that once <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it's kind of like with the, uh, how the God's Not Dead films give these huge lists of all the cases that inspired them. That yeah. Inspired the movie stories. Like, and then if you actually watch them them case, Yeah, I, I've never, I, I can't bring myself to watch them. I've only watched other people talk about them. <laughs> but <laughs> I, uh, I that, that, that's one of those things. Christian movies is something I never could get into. I just, Christian music felt like legitimate music. You know, like I, I felt like I was still listening to and, and part of that is because the bands I listen to tended to see the arc as a part of a big part yes. of what they are doing.
1: Precisely. Yeah, yeah. We're part we're where a major part of the purpose of the content is to share music, you know what I mean, is to give you know people a musical experience whereas a christian movie tended to be and here's the thing it, it, it's because of the investors yeah. yeah a movie's got it you know what i mean no doubt no doubt a lot of people like people who made the uh, left behind me movies just like people who made the oh gosh there was a series of movies i forget what even uh thief in the night that kind of thing a couple of decades before yeah. but uh, the uh but 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 uh, the person making it making the movie probably wanted to bring art and life and reality, but they had to at the same time satisfy their investors who put money in because this is going to scare people into following Jesus and voting Republican.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I just, whereas, and and granted, I realize that probably, well, and even now, it, it's it's really interesting to me now to get to see where some of the artists that I've listened to where they're at because they're in very different places some you know some of you're in a very different place than than uh, more, but,
1: but more so than i expected when when i yeah. uh when i signed up because i was out of the scene and had pretty much pretty much like in around 1991 or 92 maybe even nine, maybe 93 i was so profoundly out of the culture uh, there there was just no christian culture uh, um that i had any connections to for uh, almost two decades and then when i signed up for facebook actually it was it, it was ojo taylor called me up my at my house and uh and uh actually he called me up a couple of times because i was like uh, i was because i was just like yeah, I hadn't uh, I hadn't talked with anybody in decades and here was like one of the major people in, m- in my life as an evangelical reaching out to me and I was ner- I-, I was like really nervous about that so I actually didn't return his call a- until like maybe the second call and then a- and-, and then we got together and and I-, I found out that he was just like completely not a <laughs> anything like a, like the born Christians that we thought we were in, you know, 1982. But uh, the, uh, so, uh, so uh, then he told me that, that if I wanted to connect with, a bunch, with, with others, I could connect on Facebook. When I connected on Facebook, it was a very, it was a really kind of uh, enlightening, almost like on an existential level experience for me, discovering how, discovering how so many people had uh had reinvented themselves similar to similarly to the way i had and uh i i left the church i mean one of the one of the main things that i reason one of the main push factors Uh, For me, you know, whenever when people make a big change like that, there's pull factors and there's push factors, things that are pushing you out of where you are and things that are pulling you into where you're going. And uh, one of the major push factors was, of course, the gay thing that uh, that uh, there was just no, uh, you know, the the when I left the church, the standard uh, teaching about gayness was there's no such thing. It's just Satan uh lays ev- lays different kinds of temptations on everybody and that was the temptation he happened to lay on me but there's no such thing as a homosexual orientation there's something there's such a thing as a homosexual lifestyle but you choose that you know that kind of that kind of thing and that was just so untrue for me that 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 i could i just i i couldn't i couldn't say i couldn't stay around
0: and one of the things you know because that was information that uh that for uh, individuals like myself like fans like myself who, who, who got to a chance to catch up with you then years later it's like oh that that explains some because in the timeline <laughs> yeah, it, it, there was that brief period of like 1990 1991 when you released your first solo album uh through uh, uh the uh through Um, Stephen Derry's Glasshouse Records, and I I still think it's, honest to God, it's one of my favorite CDs. Uh, I I mentioned all my, I I mentioned all my altar boys were in storage, uh, and I just had them digitally, Um, but I, while I have it uh, digitally, I still, I've had the CD, the year, Holes in the Floor of Heaven CD with me in you know in my in my apartments and my house you know the whole time because they there was you you left the altar boys and what's interesting to me is i feel like this was part of the whole thing of just how the industry dealt with you know like divorce cheating and divorces would be public matters right (laughs) I even found an interview in the Harvest Rock Syndicate someone did with you and everything is so carefully coded so that went right over my head what was going
1: on. I'd have to to get a hold of that. That might've been Brian Quincy Newcomb. It was. Um, yeah. uh, yeah, Yeah, and during those days I was in my process of just coming out to myself. And it was right after that album came out and it just broke my heart. It broke my heart because here Steve and Derry had helped me make this album. Then they wouldn't have if they didn't like the music. So right. so so at least there was that. But in terms of uh like touring with it on the Christian circuit, it, it just became clear that was that was just out of the question because reality was just impinging itself upon me so fast that uh, and touring like like doing a, a, a tour. Of, um, of gigs sponsored by churches, uh, with you know for evangelical purposes, it just I don't I don't, I don't know if there've been musicians who've who, who, who've acquiesced to to, to, to doing that. Um, I, I knew that I couldn't, and uh, I'm grateful to Steve and to Derry for 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 kind of just sort of uh, letting me fly, just letting me go. And uh, not, uh, not uh, impinging upon me, just, just like, no, we made this album, you've got to do a tour, you've got to do Cornerstone, you've got to do, you know, blah, 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 blah. They didn't, they just kind of, they just kind of let me go. Uh, another, uh, another thing was that uh, was, uh, it, it wasn't before long. That the fact of my gayness became a public thing, and uh, I, I I heard that here and there, like that my album was actually getting pulled off shelves. Oh, so, uh, so so I thought, oh great, this is just awful. So um, so I I was such a mess at the time in terms of. just just sort of like in terms of uh, how was I going to sort of deal with all this that I just I just let it go I just thought okay this is who I was now this is who I am I I I can't be anything of the person that I was I can only from now on be the person that I am and so I, I left the person that I was just left them in the dust just you know, just that person no longer exists. This is who I am now, and uh, the uh, the uh, but uh, I mean, I mean, I didn't say those things to myself, yeah. but that's pretty much what happened. And uh, and and then after uh, that was that, that's where we're tying back into how how um, media, reconnecting with people, you know, by by the internet was uh, kind of an existential awakening for me because it made me realize that the person w- who I was was still there, still existed and had all of those things that he had never dealt with. You know, I moved on to this great new life and never looked back, but the person that, that I left the, the person that I left behind still existed and other people knew that person and connect had connected with that person and, and, and still, you know, was looking to that, that, that person still saw me as that person. Yeah. So, uh, so it was kind of a, it, it, it was kind of an enlightening uh, experience to, to, to sort of, to sort of look back and re kind of re-experience, experience what the person who I was had been experiencing at the time. Um, and, and, that was kind of aided by the fact that there were still so many people in the same place. People, a lot of people that I knew, a lot of people that I did not know, were in the exact same place that that I was when I when, when I became someone else, pretty much. And uh, you know, you're, you're more who I am, but um, more a little bit more authentically, but only on the gay thing and, and, and being more honest about my doubts about certain certain uh, um, truth claims uh, yeah. of Christianity, you know, th- those doubts that had kind of built up up to that point. Um, and, uh, and so it, the, the image was that I'd left this, this person behind and he, he chose to stay behind and not come with me because, be, be, because of all of the other people there uh, who, uh, um, who I had forgotten and just kind of just ignored. Uh, but he but but uh, needed uh, the same things that people were looking to me before this kind of guidance, basically, basically, young gay Christians. Yeah. Um, you know, those are his brothers and sisters, he stayed behind with them and, uh and I had moved on and now I'm looking back and I'm seeing I, I I'm remembering you know I wrote a song one of the songs on uh holes of the floor of heaven under lock and chain you know the, the those that album all the lyrics on that album were so cryptic uh, and, um and I really just sort of uh what's the word impressionistic uh the lyrics on that album are very impressionistic I just kind of wrote what popped into my head as I was Thinking about things and made you know develop metaphors for them and and that and that kind of thing and uh, and but in retrospect, really the lock and chain was uh, religious fundamentalism and uh, and as I looked in twenty twenty in twenty ten, as I was looking back, I was seeing that the lock and chain was was religious fundamentalism that prevented people from living authentically. And uh, I was seeing that uh, people are still being prevented from living authentically by those same lock and chains. You know, I look back and and I hear that I hear those chains rattling. You know, and I think, what can I do about that now? And uh, and so myself and the me from back then have been in conversations about that. (laughs) And that is what gave. That is what eventually uh, became uh, uh, the next album, the follow-up, "Butterflies and Caterpillar Drag."
0: When you know the the funny thing for me was, I feel like it's better that I discovered the information in well, like in the last ten years, because I what what ended up happening is, um, you know, we became Facebook friends and I think that was just because I was already Facebook friends with Ojo and I'm like oh hey this is interesting because I hadn't seen where you had been for so many and I loved you know I I loved Holes in the Floor of Heaven and I thought well that it would be neat to catch up and then both you and Ojo started doing interviews uh, started to do some interviews that gave insight and I feel like the me of like 1991 would have been far less understanding it would have been like you know yeah, same I, here. I, I i wouldn't have been like whereas you know i'm i'm reading the down the line interview and getting this impression that you you know that you know when you got married because you, you did get married in the 80s and yeah uh, and, and that didn't last because ultimately it, until about 1991 yeah, yeah and i felt like when I was reading the interviews, it, it uh, the impression I had gotten was that a lot of it was th- because she was someone you did care about, you thought you could overcome some of those impediments. And, and many people do do that. They get married thinking, well, I'll learn to have the complete, you know, the, the, the heterosexual relationship if I just live it. And I'm participating, and this is somebody I I, I do like, you know. It, it, it I I, and I remember reading the interview and just thinking, God, that just I, I hate that somebody had to work their way through that kind of you know, that, that whole concept of uh, I I just was like, it really sucks that, you know, especially as a fan, knowing that I would have been so unaccepting of that information at that time but that it just stri- it strikes me whenever I hear people talk about the, you know, marriages and and they're not begrudging the spouse that is, you know, or anything. It's just, it's not who they are. And I'm like, I, I can't imagine how, that. Uh, that always strikes me as in some ways far lonelier than being in my situation of just not being married or involved with anyone. You know, it's like when you're be, be yes be, being with someone
1: in a way that you can't be where that you're holding back a truth is worse than be, far worse than being alone being in a being on stage in front of thousands of people um uh who don't really who, who you know they don't really know you is worse than being alone the um The, uh, now that, that was not really, things weren't really that way up until maybe the last couple of years of, uh, of playing in the altar boys. Um, the, uh, when, here's the thing about me, I think, you, you know, looking back on my history, my childhood and stuff, I'm just kind of a natural born agreeer, a natural born believer, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, I put my trust in 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 people and ideas pretty quickly. If 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 there's a, if there's a um, if there's something for me, if if it solves a problem for me or provides or, or meets a need of some kind, and uh, when I when uh, you know, of course, you know, I I I pretty much knew if there if the word gay had existed, I would have called myself that probably at age ten. Um, and, uh, you know what I had, and then, and then again at 14, when I had my first crush on, on, on someone, uh, on another, uh, on another kid, my age. And then, uh, but then my, uh, my, because I was raised Catholic, I pictured myself becoming like maybe a priest or something, uh, not so much, maybe not a priest, but, but, uh, I, I, I fancied the idea of putting on some kind of cloak of being very, very religious and that kind of gets me out of of having to practice heterosexuality. I mean, really, uh, the, um, uh, especially the, I, I don't know what things are like on the schoolyard these days, but uh, the schoolyard that I grew up on, uh, the, like from the age of, uh, of 11 or 12, guys were, you know, were, were always bragging about, uh, uh, you know, how close they got with a, with, with, a, with a chick, you know, and I didn't even like calling girls that back then. And so my only, the only envi- way that I envisioned getting around that was by being very, very religious. Oh, no, no, I'm just too religious to, you know, to, you know, to, to, to even think about girls that way, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so when uh, when when born again hippie Christianity came my way by, by way of a, a of uh, my best friend uh, drummer in, in in a band that I was in, like a, like a, a cover band kind of a garage cover band. Well, we we played some weddings and things. But uh, the uh, all through high school uh, became a born again Christian, and uh, and that was uh, I'm just like yeah, well let's do that you know we started we started writing songs for g writing songs for jesus he had met uh he had he became a born-again christian because after meeting people on a paint crew that he was we we lived in uh we lived in the inland empire he had joined a paint crew out here in orange county and met some born-again christians there um as as a matter of fact uh Uh, Jim Nicholson was, uh, was uh, one of the drywallers on a project that he was working with that he was a painter on. And that was my connection to getting into all those bands. Um, But, uh, but anyway, I, um, so I have a history of being vulnerable to joining things. Um, And and, uh, that started as I grew up and got older that started to kind of wear off. But uh, when I went to, let's see, when I was t- 19, uh, 20, when I was, about, when I was about 20 and uh, Undercover was just starting to form, um, the, bands, the bands that we had before had dissolved. Um, I was in a group called Boaz with, uh, with Chris Wimber Okay. um from vineyard yeah and uh and uh as a matter of fact we we had some we did a couple of things that were where Lonnie Frisbee was the speaker we did we were like the opening band Lonnie Frisbee was the speaker uh there's more more on that later but uh the um uh i had i was at i was kind of new at vineyard and had gone to them for counseling because it was because i was i, I was starting to realize you know what i you know, I'm homosexual, I'm gay, there it is, and uh, you know, how, 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 but I, you know, I saw it as like, you know, as, as like a sin, and as like a mental disorder, and uh, went to Vineyard for counseling about it, they really, they didn't know, in retrospect, they didn't just, they just didn't know what to do about it, they didn't know what to, what to do with gayness, uh, they were notoriously opposed to any kind of name it and claim it you know, if they all like, claim your healing and walk in your healing, that kind of thing. They, they weren't into that. They were, they were focused on, you know, getting to, getting to know a person, get, getting to know Jesus, developing, you know, that, that through the context of your relationship with Jesus, uh, you know, and, and, and if it's a medical thing, you know, with your, through, through your, you know, you pray, but you also see a doctor, you don't just, you know, yeah and uh but with me all they can do was just you know they prayed for me for a healing from gayness and encouraged me to walk in my healing by by living a heter- as a heter- by just you know okay you're heterosexual live as a heterosexual so i did everybody around me all, all of the couples in all of the small groups uh you know people were starting to, uh, uh guys and girls were, were pairing off and uh and uh, th- th- there was this girl who I really, who I really dug. Got along. We, you know, we were, we were great friends. We did all kinds of things together. And uh, and yeah, we 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 became boy just like everybody else was. We became boyfriend girlfriend and got married when I was twenty three.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I can I, I can totally see where that kind of where where that where you can be looking at it going well, if I just keep doing this it'll stick yes you know it, right and i and i think that happens a lot in the church so I, and and I, I over the years you know i i had a friend who who was gay and he the thing that was so hard for him was he tried to be open about it with within the church but their answers were always pretty much well just keep praying on it and come to church
1: right yeah yeah they, yeah there's just there's just so much more to, to you know plus you know i mean well but, but well <laughs> anyway the uh, i i had actually uh, you know for me I, I just think the way I'm chemically wired, I was never very sexually active, and it was it was easy for me. It was easy for me to choose a heterosexual lifestyle and live it, and and I did faithfully until until you know our first split, until, until uh, Bonnie and I, until our first split. It was after, which is after I left the altar boys, after I started school, uh, started college. There was um, there were um, differences in beliefs uh that uh, even if i was straight i think our i, I think her and i uh, i was becoming less and less attached to the creed she was beca- kind of becoming more her her her, her friends or her social circles she was kind of more tied in with the, with the people at church than i was so after we split the, uh, i i i left that church you know left that church to her so that she could so that she's got her support base and and, and all of that stuff and and uh, you know just uh, you know didn't did, basically didn't show my face because no doubt you know she was angry so the so it's like the, her friends in support of her, had to be angry at me too, and I just didn't feel obligated to go hang around, but people were angry at me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it is an awful, awful thing that has to stop. Uh, uh, young gay Christians uh, getting married uh, in order to uh, you know, prove their faith in God by choosing a hoder, by, by by walking fully headlong into a heterosexual lifestyle does damage to other people. And, uh, and that, that really has to stop. I, uh, you know, that, uh, if I, if there's a, if if there's a heaven and, uh, and and I'm asked at the gates, what is the absolute worst thing that you ever did in your life? I would say, I married a girl. That, that's, that's the person that, that, you know, the, the, mistakes of my life did the most damage to that person by doing that.
0: Yeah, that, that I always feel like I I it's it's that type of thing with you know relationships are always going to they're not going to just impact if you make a choice that you shouldn't have made that doesn't just impact you and right it it, it you're you're involving someone else's life and I feel like the advice that's so often given to to just even not even gay Christians, just gay kids in general, is to try and hide, you know, shun it, you know? Mm -hmm. There's still people that are upset instead of letting people walk forward and kind of see really where they're at. Because certainly there are people that might think, oh, maybe this is what what I am. And a few years down the road of exploration of trying to know themselves might say, okay, no, that's not, I, maybe that isn't me, you know, it, because people grow and change. And, mm-hmm. and when, when people, I, I always, when, when I will hear people act like, well, how do, you know, cause like most gay people I've interacted with have talked about how as young as five having crushes on, on people of the same sex. And when mm-hmm. people, I'll, I'll hear, uh, I'll, I'll hear heterosexual Christians talk like, oh, come on and it's like what are you talking about I knew I I knew I thought Linda Carter was really really good looking when I was a when I was like five right yeah (laughs) when I was when I was a five-year old and I saw Wonder Woman I I I was like okay she wow there's something about her that stands out to me I, Mm -hmm. I I I I understood that and so the idea that it's somehow just like People like that people can't accept that from, from gay people saying, hey, you know, I knew very early on. And it's like, well, we live in a culture that, I mean, especially if you are a part of the Christian culture where it was, mm-hmm. you didn't yeah. talk about it. You shoved it down. You, you were asked to shove it down and just try and ignore it. I mean, CCM Magazine didn't even acknowledge AIDS until 1997. Well... Yeah. You know, that was the year the, the AIDS issue. And I remember uh, the, I actually had email, email correspondence with the, with uh, the editor, the, the editor, April uh, Hefner at the time. And I was like, I'm glad you guys did this. And she was like, for her, it was a very personal thing. She, you know, I, I think it was her brother had AIDS. And so for her, the idea that they weren't taught, nobody was talking about it was awful and they needed to, it needed to be addressed. And I remember the prayer chain in the 77s went on a tour for pediatric AIDS, to raise fun- funding for pediatric AIDS and people were angry at them for it. And it's like, mm. okay, what? You know, the, 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 the Christian community. Identity
1: Pollocks had really started to set in by that time. And,
0: and the funny thing was I was still in a place where I was still more conservative in 1997 um, but it still just seemed shocking to me that people were angry at a band for raising money for pediatric aids you know
1: yeah because it's aids and if you get a like aids is a punishment from god you're not yeah. supposed to you're not supposed to try and aid, and and give comfort to the enemy
0: and, and I you know, just, even,
1: you know, They have AIDS, and if they're being, if they got AIDS, it means they're being punished, and you're not supposed to give them comfort.
0: And, yeah, yeah it,
1: it, it, it's,
0: I, I just, I feel like, and I think that was one of the things that kind of just wore away for me with, uh, on faith, was ultimately, I wasn't seeing God make people more compassionate or loving. He, people were far more willing to, Ignore and not try and bring comfort. I mean, you can even go into the Bible, and there is verses that talk about basically giving people any kind of comfort in when they're in those situations where life is destroying them. You know, like if somebody's suffering, you bring them comfort. Cry with people. Don't you know? The job is to answer the questions. Always, the job is sometimes to sit there and. And 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 cry with them, share their tears, carry but like over. Job.
1: The lesson, the lesson from Job, you know, where it's like a, a guy is suffering inexplicably, and the other believers in his life thought it was their job to try and explicate, you know, trying to explain, you know, he goes, oh well, it's to it must be must unconfessed sin in your life. It's like no, no, you know, just shut up. That's not what. <laughs> you're there for you know that i th- i think that's a i think that's a good lesson
0: and yeah and i just be, and and i think that was one of the things going back to the uh holes in the floor of heaven is i felt like a lot of that album was very much about sharing you know sharing private pain yeah you know? thank so, you yes so, so was. not say you know so that people know you're not alone in feeling these things we're 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 here we can share this you know
1: yeah that's that that was that that was my whole drive behind holes in the floor of heaven uh yeah the lyrics are very very cryptic uh, but uh but not cryptic in a way that i had a specific message that i was burying in the lyrics but just just i i i I'll, I'll, if somebody says, what was really going on with you behind those lyrics in Holes in the Floor of Heaven, I could, I'd have to say, I had no idea. All I knew was <laughs> I was writing these songs and these were my songs and it felt good to write them. <laughs> it, I had I had no more idea what was behind them than anybody else listening to them.
0: And and anybody listening who is not familiar uh, with with your work and, and, and the history, uh, I would recommend I, I I think the album still stands stands very well and it doesn't really require you to even be you know, have religion for the song. Yeah, yeah, it,
1: it it's definitely it's definitely not evangelical. Uh I, I, I think I think it, while I while I had a, a lot of doubts about certain things about the creed at the time, uh, it's definitely not creed bashing um you know I still had a little bit of fear of creed of it's like coming out and saying I don't believe this anymore blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> um I could I couldn't even think it in my head you know you have a you know when, when, when you're a Christian for you know for for well basically all all, all all your life because I was raised Catholic and was one until I became a born-again Christian at 18 but um the uh there's this horrible fear that some what if someday I don't believe it's just unthinkable you know and here so even as my beliefs were falling away I was terrified of that you know that that you know the process ask anyone about the process of losing their religion it's it's a long it's a long painful oh, was, process yeah, was, that no matter no yeah. matter what incident there is like everybody can cite an incident where where it's like yeah yeah after that happened i walked out of the church and i never turned around but really that's only just one day in a years-long process of of uh of of, of uh giving up you know giving up a creed a well and creed.
0: i the last church i went to uh as i was i i ended up I finally just stopped going. I didn't really say anything to anyone about stopping going. I just stopped showing up, you know, and, but part of the thing was, is I would be in there and I would sing the songs and I felt like I don't feel this at all. And during the sermons, my mind, depending on the pastor, there were some that I appreciated more than others, but I would find myself kind of waiting for it to get over because my mind would instantly start picking apart things that felt flawed in the uh yeah in, in the uh sermon and I'm like why am I doing this to myself and I just stopped going and you know it was I just it, it was one of those things where it it was exhausting and I think a lot yeah. of people always uh, was actually on Facebook uh a few days ago ojo put up a list of things people say you know as to why he no longer believes and it's like yeah i i've heard those and none of them actually apply to what i what drove me there even though i often credit the things that 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 pushed me ultimately were a i couldn't reconcile the bible's take on slavery with a loving god And I couldn't reconcile the idea that gay people are this horrible abomination. And also I even struggled sometimes with the idea that there's any that there's any crime that anyone could commit that would be worthy of an eternal torment. Okay, maybe some deserve some temporary punishment, but the idea that it's, you know, that, oh no, you need to, I realized I the worst crimes i could think of still didn't seem like that person should just be in severe severe torture for an eternity
1: yeah for an eternity I feel that. yeah no, it, i know it, it, it,
0: it, it, no matter yeah, how much just like them here here's
1: yeah here, here's the thing yeah, i consider i consider the idea of eternal punishment or, or even just banishment as uh as a solution that a supreme being would have uh you know what i mean because even the worst even even the worst of the most morally mediocre among us would hope that would would be motivated to find a way to when someone has done something horrible Find a way to teach them the lessons that they learn and hope that they and keep keep at it until they've learned their lessons and uh, and become better people. That's what a supreme being would do. And not create like this deadline, like if you know, the this deadline, you know, like you die and then that's it, and you'll be eternally punishment. And attached to that, the 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 solution. Uh, in the Bible isn't learn your lessons. The, the solution is wash in the blood of a human sacrifice. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and just, just two things that just aren't. And I, think those are, I, I, and I think those two teachings have been, have had a very bad effect on, on human history. Uh, not just human history, but just the way people are to each other. Um, like, for example, uh, you know, in reality, in reality TV, there's all of these shows, uh, you know, the real housewives of this city or that city. And... They brag uh, on 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 these uh, shows when they when they talk about those. They brag about how they don't put up with anything from anybody. One called, yeah. you know, I'm the nicest person. You, you know, some of their some, some of the slogans that they do that they say on that show, they things that they say about themselves is is, is oh, I'm the nicest person in the world until you cross me, then you're dead to me. And everybody goes, ooh, hey, that's strength. That person is has inner strength and blah blah blah. No, that's insidious and that con- and. and that it, and it doesn't help that one of the, the, the that one of the primary religions in the world has a supreme being just oh you sinned that's it you know once you've sinned that's it i can't have anything to do with you you know it's like no that's not a good way to think and good people in the world do not think that way so if if good people in the world are better than that then a supreme being needs to be better than that also <laughs> yeah that,
0: that that's, that's always cool. been the thing i'm like uh, you know like with with slavery, the Bible does not condemn slavery. It flat yes, out yes. the per- a- perfect
1: opportunity in the Big Ten. He had a cha- he had a chance to condemn slavery. Like number three, number two could have been "Thou shalt," uh, uh, you know, a, a person shall not own another person. But instead, he said, "Don't forget to come to church on Sunday."
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, I or I you just- go
1: or I'm the only God, and you can't have another one before me. He chose that. He chose an ego based thing. So no.
0: And so for this week, we are coming to a close. This ends part one. We'll return next week with part two. Uh, I want to thank Rick and you can find uh, Rick's album, Butterflies and Caterpillar Drag on the Bandcamp site. If you go to Bandcamp, you can look them up under Rick Alba and it is R-I-C-A-L-B-A. And that's, rick alba and again it's the album is butterflies and caterpillar drag you can give the music a listen there uh if you're looking for moral decay their album and uh i believe a couple singles are on the apple music uh store and so i just want to say thank you to rick and uh please come back next week everybody for part two of this discussion And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast with No Name. If you want to find me elsewhere, I can be found on Instagram under both at Tom Wade and at Tom Wade Art. At Tom Wade is at T H O M W A D E, and at Tom Wade Art is at. T-H-O-M W-A-D-E A-R-T and that's a page specifically devoted to my artwork my digital artwork my uh, natural media artwork Um, that's where you'll find that the main Tom Wade one is more for just me having fun and you can also find me on Twitter under at Tom Wade again it's at T-H-O-M-W-A-D-E Then, in addition, if you would like to support the podcast, I would love and appreciate that. Uh, I definitely would like to build this podcast into something that can maybe even just, you know, bring in some additional income, but more so to bring in money that could be applied to the podcast, Uh, whether it be to get, I don't know, products, uh, you know, like... Uh, uh, specific books uh that i might want to look into uh movies um and and comics they're maybe uh hoping to delve some more into some more comics this season i i would love and appreciate your support uh and to that end i have a patreon uh the patreon has two tiers one is a two dollar a month tier uh which gets you updates behind the scenes information uh, pics of my cats because I have really cute cats, then for five dollars a month, you get all of that, plus, uh, 45 times a year, I'm going to send you actual artwork that's made by me. It'll be both, uh, there might be some printed out digital artwork, but there will also be a lot of, it. it will be, uh, will be natural media, uh, pen and ink, watercolor, that type of thing. So. On Patreon, you can locate me under Tom Wade, and that is T-H-O-M space W-A-D-E. So Tom space Wade. Uh, Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next episode.